Welcome to Just My Forte with Ben Everson. We're glad to have you along. Welcome to today's podcast. I am so glad you've taken time to join me here on Just My Forte. And of course, this podcast is designed so I can do almost anything I want here. So we can play music, we can talk about uh, issues, we can have special guests, and that's what I've got lined up for today. I'm so glad and so grateful to have Evangelist Scott Pauley with me today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Brother Ben. My privilege to be with you. We are sitting on the campus of Camp Kobiak in Prudenville, Michigan, and uh, it's hard to find a quiet place. So if you hear doors opening, uh, that might happen to be my son coming in. Hey, Brandon. Brandon's bringing in some waters. Thank you, son. He is my helper on this one. Thank you. Looks like Brother Scott already has some coffee or tea, or what's your beverage of choice here? Man, I I drink coffee all day long, so that's a bad (laughs) habit, but. Well, I I hear accent. Where's that from? Well, I grew up in the mountains of West Virginia. Oh, hey, and amen. So southern West Virginia is home. I uh, lived in Tennessee for 23 years. That's right. And uh, then when I went full-time into evangelistic work, moved back to uh, southern West Virginia. So that's home. Very nice. Now, now, if I remember correctly, that's Crown College where you were. Is that's that right? That's correct. Right. Yeah, okay. Uh, my, uh, my wife and I actually met there in college as students, and we were both early students at Crown College. Very and nice. Then when I graduated, Pastor Sexton said, why don't you stay for a year and help me with a few projects? And that turned into 19 years worth of projects. <laughs> a and few so, projects. Yeah, that's right. Wow. <laughs> it was the greatest honor of my life, greatest experience. And uh, I, uh, I had the privilege of serving with him in the church and the college. And he invested in me, and I'm forever grateful. Wow, that's fantastic. I've had the privilege of running across, uh, running across some Crown grads. Uh, Mark Kirkpatrick comes to mind. Uh, because I grew up with him, several others just been really impressed with their love for the Lord, and of course, you know, every college has their great grads and grads that didn't follow sure. what they were taught. But what a blessing to have Crown College there! I haven't visited yet. I need well, to. you need to. They yeah. have they have an amazing. I know you like history because I've listened to you. Oh, sure. Talking <laughs> and uh, they have an amazing Christian Heritage Center. That now is I've heard about worth this. the trip. Wow, it's it's quite a museum. You can walk through centuries of history and. Quite a wide uh, variety. There's an, an entire hallway that's a hymn writer's hallway. Oh. And uh, they have P.P. Bliss's organ in it. And oh, man. And lots of very unique things. So you I did not it. know that. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Well, uh, you're here preaching teen camp here at Camp Kobiak, and I have questions about preaching and such for you. But first of all, what I want to dive into first is podcasting. You have your podcast, Enjoying the Journey, did I say it right? You did. Oh, good, good, good. I was doing my, <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah, so right. far, so good. Good, good. No editing needed so far. Um, you put that out not once a month, not once a week, but you're Monday through Friday with a new episode. How in the world do you do that? You know, the background to all that is that I didn't even know what a podcast was. A girl from China came back, and she said to me, this has been several years ago, she said, uh, have you ever considered doing a podcast? And she was serving there. She said, I'd like to listen to your messages, but most Christian websites are blocked. She said, but something about the technology of the podcast platform gets through. And uh, that was the first seed planted in my mind. And then, right after I went into evangelism, uh, a local radio station, a local FBN affiliate station, contacted me and said, we have a 10-minute slot opened on the morning commute. Would you like to have it? And my first reaction was, no, I don't have time to do that. And then the Holy Spirit just kind of in my mind connected those two thoughts. And with the help of some friends, we experimented a little bit. And I thought, you know, if we could do a 10-minute, which now I see the providence of God in that. You know, if I had started a broadcast, I would have immediately gone to a 30-minute or a whatever. But we started with 10 minutes because that was the slot available. And now look back and realize that was just the Lord superintended all that. So we thought if we could do a broadcast, 10 minutes, then it could be used as a podcast or radio broadcast. And so lots of radio stations have picked it up and some networks now, which I'm grateful for, but primarily it's produced as a podcast. Um, so that's how we came to the 10 minutes a day. Um, we, we felt like consistency was important. And so the idea of five days a week is that people build that into their routines, their work schedule, school schedule, devotional plan. And um, my podcast is very simple. It is simply a Bible study. 
and it is always walking through some portion of Scripture. And you just finished, uh, you were mentioning you just finished, uh, was it on the disciples? Right, we just finished a series, a short series on, on Christ's disciples, we called the Twelve. Yes. Uh, we just started this week, the series is from the book of Jonah on the message we all need, which is salvation is of the Lord. I saw that right before you walked in. Yes. And then the next series uh, after that, that we've started recording, but it's not been produced yet, is all on the family. Okay. And so we kind of rotate. I'll I'll do a book of the Bible. Then I'll do uh, something thematically uh, that's more of a topic. It's still an exposition of Scripture. But um, then I may do a Bible character. So that there's some variety built into it, but the consistency of it is it's just teaching the Bible. Right. Because, look, you never run out of material when you have right. God's Word. Amen, amen, you know, it's, that's it, true. It's inexhaustible, right. the infinite Word of God. Uh, and so I don't have to think up things to discuss or right. try to come up with, with ideas. Really all I'm doing each time is I'm trying to pray towards, all right, what series is next? What portion of the Bible is next? Which is essentially what I'm already doing in churches week after week after week. Right. I'm just praying towards next week already. All right, Lord, I'm going to be in Delaware next week. What am I to preach? What portion of the Bible? It's the same principle. And then uh, I record them very conversationally, typically sitting in my study. And Well, that's my next question. Tell me about the, your tech stack. What are, you, what are you using to record previously? And I, I heard yes. rumor you've got a new setup. So what was your former setup? How did you used to do it? And then what do you have now? Well, as an evangelist, and you understand this, traveling so much, you have to do a lot of work on the road. Uh, you know, we're, we're sitting at a camp right now, and you've right. got a great mobile setup. Um, when I started, um, we invested in a Rode lapel mic um, that could plug into my cell phone. And I started with a, a simple app, Twisted Wave Recorder, How about that? Um, which is dummy-proof because I'm not tech-savvy like you are. And so all I did was I would have to get a quiet place, of course. I mean, I've, I've recorded in some funny places. I mean, in hotel rooms, <laughs> I, I literally have been sitting at a desk with pillows stacked up all around oh, me, yeah. you know, like makeshift studio. Any janitor's closets? Oh, or look, I, I've been a little of everywhere recording. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, that, that's been interesting. Yeah. And, of course, inevitably then something interrupts or some big right. noise or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, I did a lot of that on the road. But more recently... And by the way, I, I don't produce it all myself, so I'm doing the rough recording. And you then send it off to someone I else. upload it to a Dropbox account and then a team of people who help us with enjoying the journey. They, they really put it all together. So we've got a, a host that does the intros and outros and then you know a guy who puts all the, the music together and all the stuff that you can do as a one-stop shop. I, I've got, I got to farm all that. <laughs> well, I'll out. tell you what, sometimes though that, that I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a trade-off because it all takes time and to have a team behind you that's doing that, what a blessing. Well, and, and they're all uh, people basically who are volunteers mm. who've just said, look, we believe in what you're doing. We want to help get the gospel out. We want to have a part in it. And that's been huge because I know with my schedule, it would be impossible yeah. and my limited understanding of it, impossible for me to get it out, especially five a week. Now, now do you do the, do you split them up? Uh, so you're, you sit there and you think, okay, I'm going to do three in a row right now. Yes. And you split them up generally into that 10 minute segment. Okay, so, so here's the way I think about it. I identify the series, what portion of the Bible, and then um, each recording, it's a 10 minute episode, but each recording, my portion of it is only about eight and a half minutes. Right, because intro, outro, That's right. announcements so or whatever. So I, I have a timer in front of me, and all I know is that I'm going to start wherever I left off, and I'm going to do eight and a half minutes, and I'm going to wrap it up. And then I, that's where I'm going to pick up the next time. I like to do a batch at a time, so a minimum yes. of one week. I really like to do two weeks. I have gotten behind before and done three or four weeks at a time, which is a little exhausting, you know, because uh, that'll wear you out. Yeah. But um, uh, recently we did rec- uh, change our recording setup a little bit. I'm doing less of it on the road um, and more of it at home, which I really like. I like doing it in my study. I like to be able to spread out things oh, on my yeah. desk and it's quiet. You can leave a- it, come back later. Correct. And I have yeah. more control over the environment. Right. It's more consistent. So we, we liked all the road equipment, and so we invested in the, the road podcasting system, which is just a little board. Yeah, um, yeah. My brother, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Pastor Stephen Cox. Uh, he is yes. in, yeah, he's in Greenville. So, I, just, or, uh, I just preached for him. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I just preached revival. So that's my him. brother's church. My oh, brother Ken. Okay, good. So, uh, and they started, he started a podcast, Real Vintage. 
I know all about it. Stephen told me about it while I was there. Well, that, my brother is the one that uh, records them. Yeah, I didn't realize that. They make that connection. <laughs> Small world, isn't now, it? Now, there may be other guys. I, I'm saying it like he does it all. I'm yes. sure there's other guys that do it, etc. But, but he was instr- my brother's instrumental in, in getting that going, and they use that pot, that road setup. Yes. That's where it, I've seen it, it. It's a great setup because um, it, it's a podcasting setup. I mean, it's, it's designed for that specifically. So I record to an SD card, and then I download that to my to my Mac, I rename the file and I upload it to Dropbox and it's out of my hands then. Wonderful. So I don't, I don't see it till it comes out then several weeks later. Well, that, that's fantastic. And before we close, we'll come back. You know what? We can talk about it now. Uh, encouragements. You recently put out an article on your blog just uh, maybe last week on suggestions or encouragements when it comes to podcasts, because they can be a great resource. It can also be a challenge uh, at the same time to weed through them. Would you mind just recapping that for us? Sure. You know, it's funny, but in churches, I'll mention um, our podcast and you get two looks. Uh, One is a puzzled look like, what's he talking about? You know, right. There's a certain age demographic. It's like podcast. What is that? And so there's an education process. Basically, it's a radio program on demand. If somebody's listening to this now, they've probably already figured that right. out. But right. That's true. Um, That's the true. reality is there's a whole world of people out there who are not even familiar with podcasts that it would be a great blessing to them if they saw the accessibility. Um, I think the problem with podcasts sometimes is the accessibility without the accountability. You know, So hmm. there's so much content and the yes. proliferation of ideas. But sometimes there are things that just get thrown out there that really they don't line up with Scripture or they're not edifying. Ah. And I, I have encouraged people, measure everything by this. Does this edify? Mm-hmm. And that really was Paul's emphasis. Does this edify? If it doesn't build up, if it's tearing down, if it's a distraction, if it is uh, feeding my flesh more than feeding my spirit, then I'm going to avoid it. And so I've had a lot of people recently ask me about recommendations on podcasts. Um, now I, I am familiar with yours, so I've got another good one to add to my repertoire of recommendations. <laughs> but frankly, I'm always a little hesitant to recommend individual podcasts because you never know what direction some people are going. Yes, yes. So what I have been uh, doing recently is just giving some general recommendations and guidelines. And well, and you're talking about, excuse me for interrupting, no, but that's fine. you're talking about you don't know even when someone's coming up to you in a church, like as evangelist myself, I know I may not know this person from Adam. I don't know their level of spiritual maturity. Are they mature enough to be able to eat the fish and spit out the correct, bones? Correct, You know, so I completely understand that. So so what I'm trying to do, and, and the article you're referring to recently, I just gave three or four general suggestions for people who were podcast listeners. Um, and those suggestions, number one, was measure all content by truth. Hmm. Uh, in the end, the Bible's the plumb line. Hmm. So does this match up with Scripture? Now, obviously, I'm thinking primarily of Christian podcast. Sure, right. You know, we're not talking about secular content. But does this line up with the truth of God's Word? And uh, I think that's the starting point for all of us. The second thing is guard your spirit. Um, you know, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Paul didn't just say, speak the truth. He said, speak the truth in love. And I think one of the dangers is sometimes you can hear people who present truth, but it is presented in such a way that it, it stirs more flesh than spirit. Mm, that's tough. And, uh, and, and frankly, sins of the spirit are harder to identify than sins of the flesh. Um, you can't see them. Correct. So bitterness it's a seed so and one root of bitterness hebrews says brings up troubles you thereby many be defiled so you know i think there are some people who are very angry today and there's some people who are speaking out of their own hurts and their own wounds and i don't minimize their hurts and wounds absolutely but at the same time i think it's dangerous to speak out of your discouragement yes discouraged people usually overstate their own problems uh, exaggerate their own ideas and so, uh, frankly, even in, on my podcast, I've been tempted at times to take a detour mm-hmm. and just deal with something, you know, like, let me give you my thoughts on this. Yeah. And, and there's a time and place for that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, especially if you're saying up front that's what you're doing. Right. But I think the danger is when you start saying you're teaching the Bible and that's what you're doing. Because my job as a Bible teacher or Bible preacher is not to give my own ideas, it's to say this is what God says. Well, and don't we see that in the media right now? So many, we used to have 
Now, this is my opinion, okay? Yes. But we used to have uh, reporters who would report the news, and then you had commentators right. who would comment on the news. And now everybody's a commentator, it seems like. Oh, everyone. And, I, I don't really want your opinion. Just tell me what's going on. Yeah. I can think for And myself. good luck finding that. Correct. Nowadays. Right. That's so That's so I think guarding your spirit, guarding your heart is very important. The third thing that I recommended is choose carefully. There's so many, you can't listen to all of them. Hmm. And look, podcasts are like any other medium. They can waste your time. Hmm. And even good ones, you can get so caught up in something that it becomes more of a distraction. So I would suggest to people, listen to them in the car. um, Listen to them between things. A lot of people say, we listen to your podcast uh, while we're uh, getting ready for school in the morning. Or on the morning commute. And 10-minute things, bite-size, that's easy to do. I do more listening to podcasts when I'm running. Mm. Uh, so I enjoy, you know, of course, at this age, I'm more jogging than running. But hey, that's better uh, than me. That's on better than on me. a jog, <laughs> I, I really do. I enjoy listening to, to certain things. And then the fourth suggestion was this, never let any podcast take the place of your own time in the Word of God. Oh. Um, I think with all these resources and tools, they're helpful if they get you into Scripture. But if they start substituting for Scripture, now a good thing is robbing you of the best thing. Yes. So when you're listening to a podcast, even one you may like and one you may be blessed by, you're listening to someone else's meditations. Right. That's fine. Iron sharpens iron. But it should never substitute for you meditating in the Word of God yourself. Oh, that's fantastic. And if you're just joining us for some reason, I'm with Evangelist Scott Pauley. Do you have any uh, degrees or anything I need to mention, by the way? I I have some degrees, but I don't use them. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I always like to ask. I appreciate it. You know, years ago, my pastor pushed me when I was at Crown College. He pushed me to finish several master's degrees, and then he pushed me to get a terminal degree. Hmm. And I'm very glad he did for the, the help it gave me at that juncture hmm. and making me dig. But I don't really like using them. And sometimes people introduce you a certain way, and it's fine if that's what they do. But I just, you know, I, I think that's not the thing that I want to be remembered for, you know? Sure, sure. I appreciate I, you asking. Well, I, that's work. It's work involved and in, in doing those things, and, and I respect that. We'll be back in just a moment. We're going to have a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with some more hard-hitting questions. It comes right after this. And we're back with Evangelist Scott Pauley. Real quick, so I don't forget, enjoyingthedirtjourney.com or dot... .org. .org, that's right, that's right. .org. So, of course, if you just searched it, it would come up. But enjoyingthejourney.org, I highly recommend it. It's just, uh, it's a great podcast. I only found it maybe three or four months ago, actually, and uh, and have listened to several. And then as I've traveled around, I've actually heard you on the radio. thought, man, I recognize that voice. Who is that? Now you know the ugly face that goes with hey, the voice. Hey. <laughs> you know, um, the, the, the thing that we've done most recently uh, with enjoyingthejourney.org is we just rolled out a brand new website. And so if people go to enjoyingthejourney.org, the podcast is there. And yeah. the, today's is always, you know, right on the homepage. But um, it's a library. It's a Bible study library. Yes. So there are about 800 and some articles there is a library of full-length Bible messages, and then there are about 900 some podcast episodes. Well, they're all tagged by scripture and subject, so you could search by a scripture passage or by a topic. So you look like anger, correct? And yeah. it's going to pull up something to listen to, something to read, something to watch. Fantastic! And so the idea behind that was to give people more resources for their own study of God's Word. Wonderful. Well, that that's fantastic. I, I've got some questions for you here as we take a little bit of a turn here. Uh, you are an evangelist, uh, you're traveling on the road. When did you launch out from like full-time from Crown? Uh, five and a half years ago. Okay. Um, I finished my work there in December of 2015 and, uh, I had been traveling a good bit. Uh, Dr. Sexton was very gracious to give me opportunities, not just there, but to be out. So I was in lots of camps and sure. youth meetings and that kind of thing and loved it. Uh, but it was limited because of the administrative work there. And uh, God just started working in me, you know, stirring my heart for uh, gospel work and helping churches and placing an emphasis on revival, coming alongside pastors, basically taking all the things God had poured into me and just helping pass it on in many places. And so we launched out in December of 2015 full-time. 
Oh, that's wonderful. So here's a quick question for you. And uh, this is something I am genuinely curious about. I tell listeners that I use this podcast as a, as a way for me to learn. So uh, one of the most difficult things that I've found, and I've not done well at this, and I'm always trying to find a new way to help myself with this, but staying fit on the road, that's, it's a huge challenge. We, as it particularly in Baptist churches, we all love to eat. And everybody's <laughs> that's the meaning taking, of the word fellowship, yeah, right? that's right. There you go. I mean, and uh, I'm, you know, uh, people who listen to me and ha- have had us in, they, they are on my journey with me yes. because I'm pretty open about it. I decided to to be open about that and such, but I, 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 I'm always looking for how how do you do it? How do you, how do you stay fit? How do you keep yourself uh, going with the schedules, the the flying, the driving, all that stuff? I think you said a minute ago, you just have to work at it. I mean, there's no easy (laughs) answer. Everybody's looking for, for the magic. You don't have the magic pill. No, there is no No magic magic pill to it. If there was, I'd be taking it today. I guarantee you. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't Um, invest in it. There's, that's right. (laughs) There, there are little things that I've had to adjust. Um, for example, I never eat three meals a day. Yeah. Um, and people sometimes want to feed you three meals a day. Right. I mean, you'll eat yourself to death that mm-hmm. way. So um, I'll eat something very light in the morning for breakfast. My preference is to eat a big meal middle of the day, early afternoon, and then just eat something very light in the evening. Um, I, I basically stopped drinking Cokes, um, yeah. sodas, and so I drink water and coffee, mm-hmm. um, almost without exception. And then, like I alluded to a moment ago, I try to jog uh, three or four days a week. Yeah. And I, I'm not setting any records. Somebody sure. asked me today about running, and I said, look, I'm an old guy. I'm not, I'm not setting any records. Uh, but I try to run a 5K each time I run. Hmm. So I set myself a goal. I know how long that takes me to warm up and get it, get it in and cool down. And for me, uh, it's not just been good physically. It's been good mentally, uh, hmm. that exercise. For example, and you understand this, traveling, you get foggy. Yes. So, you know, you get off an airplane and you're just jet lagged and you, you, or you've driven five hours and six hours and you climb out of a car and they expect you to come in and preach and be fresh. Right. I have found if I can get to wherever I'm staying, uh, even if I only have an hour, if I can, I don't really like to run on treadmills. I like to run outside. Right. But if I can go get on a treadmill for 30 minutes, and then shower, change, and go to the service. I feel like I started my day over. Yes, it's, it's like freshening. It hits the reset button. It's it's better for me than a nap because if I take a nap, I feel more groggy. So, yeah. and for me, I can't I can't sing after a nap. Yes. So it drops my voice about a half octave, literally. Um, That's interesting. I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a power napper. I can't do a 15 minute nap. I might as well not nap. So it'll drop my voice down, and then I'm in all kinds of trouble because then I'm singing a high song or whatever. Sometimes I've had to, and I literally have, I could show you on my iPad, I have lists set up. Like, I have a list that says uh, low voice, (laughs) and that's a list of songs that I know I can do when my voice is lowered. Um, uh, I have one, for example, Amanda down, that means Amanda's sick, my wife. Hmm. And so I know, okay, well then I can do this set of songs, you know, it's all very interesting. It's all organized. So don't tell anyone, but I have all my songs on this. So literally anyone could request it. You know, that's something I say, you, you're very good at caring for your voice. And of course you're using it, you're demanding on it. That's something I had to really learn when I went into evangelism because um, now I, I did a lot of talking at Crown College. You know, I was teaching through the day and right. conducting meetings, and, and then I was preaching. But now preaching this many times a month, and on top of that, recording this much, I, I had to make some adjustments. Um, What'd you do? Well, one, I had to learn my voice. Hmm. I really had to learn the limits of it. You know, someone else's voice, some other preacher's voice, is not mine. Right. And so I had to learn my limits. Um, water did help. You know, I, you see, I have a cup of coffee, and you joked about that a moment ago, but I had to learn that's going to dry my vocal cords out. Absolutely right. And so if I'm going to drink coffee, fine, but I'm going to have to follow with a lot of water. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so uh, little things like that, uh, not pushing it, hmm. um, warming it up in the mornings uh, before, more, before meetings. I'm not a singer, as you are, but I had to learn that, for me, vocal exercises actually mattered. Yeah. I'll tell you, the difficult days for me are a Sunday when I'm doing an early service, a, a combined Sunday school, and another service, and then they want you to do a worker's something in the afternoon and then speak in the evening. Right. Well, that kind of day is taxing. Absolutely. And then talking to people. So I had to learn. I had to get up early enough. I had to get my voice warmed up, and I had to start slow. My tendency, I'm, a, I'm an enthusiast 
enthusiastic kind of right. preacher. I've got a passion in me about it. Well, my tendency is to jump right up and boom, I'm into it. Ah, yes. Well, that's very dangerous. So I, I learned to start more conversationally, let my voice warm up. When your heart gets in it, your voice gets in it. Yes. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm still learning. So I observe people like you who, who have learned so much about that and rest. You know, like I was at a ball game the other day and it was intense. And the, the person that was next to me looked over and said, aren't you excited? And I said, yes, I'm excited. Well, you're not screaming. <laughs> and I said, I can't. And they said, why can't you? And I said, because if I scream today, yeah. I won't be preaching this weekend. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, I had to learn some things. Like I went that. to, uh, I'm a big Michigan State Spartan fan. We'll forgive you of that. Well, you know, it's better than a Wolverine. The Lord may right. forgive you of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought West Virginia, I mean, uh, uh, Michigan Wolverine stole Rich Rod from West Virginia. Yeah, that's true. So that, that's we're still of, sore about that. My right. wife is a Michigan fan. Okay. She grew up in Michigan, right. well, so you I've got to be careful it. here. Okay, you gotta, right. yeah. okay. Well, I won't get you in any trouble. I but, appreciate that. Uh, uh, I don't know how we did it. The Lord, I think, just kind of opened it up for us on Honestly, because I wouldn't have the money to do this, but we actually, my wife and I got tickets to a Michigan State, Michigan game. Oh, that's great. And I was there. This was in the height of the D'Antonio era. Long story short, we beat Michigan at, in East Lansing and I try not to, not to yell, but my parents went there, you know, there's, there's a, there's just that fandom that's yes. there. And so I yelled about halfway. Well, I started a week of meetings the next day. And I had to front load the week with a lot of family singing because I couldn't sing it. And I remembered that. And that is, it's all well and good to be a fan and nothing wrong with that at right, all. Right. But if it costs the church the next week, then I've done them a disservice. That's and a so point. since that point, even though I've gone to games since then, I do the same thing. I sit there and, 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 and I'll even, you can't see me on the podcast, obviously, but I have my mouth open like I'm cheering, but nothing's coming out. I do a lot of clapping, you know. Oh, there you go. That's so right. I can make a little noise that way. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you hit on something. We're stewards of everything. Hmm. And, I, and I feel like as a, as a singer or as a preacher, um, we are stewards of the tool God has given us. Right. And, um, and literally there have been some times where I knew I misused and abused my voice. Hmm. And I walked out of a meeting realizing I had depended too much on my voice. Hmm. And I've even had to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry about that. Yes. Because I think there's a spiritual element to that. Yes. I was in a meeting one time in Ohio, and I got sick. Hmm. And I literally lost my voice. I could only whisper. Well, in a revival meeting, you know, the people want to hear somebody get up and preach the Bible. Right, with passion. Correct. Yeah. And I want to preach that way, but I couldn't. And I was so disheartened about it. I went to the service, and I'll tell you how bad it was. I said to the pastor, Pastor, I, I think I may be able to whisper for 10 or 12 minutes. He said, it's fine, whatever you can do. I said, would you read the text for me? I've never done that before. Hmm. But it was a lengthy text, and I thought, if I read all that, I won't be able to talk. Right. He read the text. I whispered and lent my way through a message for 10 or 12 minutes. And do you know God moved on that meeting in such an unusual way that in the invitation, I was standing in the pulpit looking at the people who had responded, brokenness, people seeking the Lord, and the Holy Spirit taught me something that night that the power is not in my voice, the power is in His Word. That's awesome. That really helped me yeah. because it, it humbled me that, look, Scott, you can be loud if you want to. Right. You can be enthused if you want to. That's good. But that's not where the power is. The power is in the message you're giving. Oh, amen. That's and, huge. And I've tried to remind myself of that. I don't know about you, but when I have the hardest time is when I get nervous. Mm -hmm. And look, we all get nervous. But if I go into a setting that's very unusual or uptight, I'm not relaxed. Well, I had to learn my vocal cords are muscles. They tighten up with the rest of my body. And so this may sound funny, but I have learned myself that if I can get myself relaxed and enjoying a service before I walk into the pulpit, it's better for my voice. Absolutely. That's huge. And I'm so glad you said that. I try to help. I actually lost my voice in 2015. And it was due to acid reflux, we found out. Yes. I didn't know I had it. A lot of opera singers get, it's called, uh, no, it just went on in my head, but the, the layman's term is silent reflux. Okay. And um, it's not like heartburn. You don't know you have it, but 
Uh, I almost lost my singing voice forever. Um, three months, vocal silence, couldn't talk. Long story short, I got some further training in, in, in voice, some graduate level training in vocal care. And now I help pastors. So this invitation goes to you as, as well as any other pastor or teacher. I'll take you up on it. If you have trouble, give That's me a good. call. I'll, I'll help you. Dr. Ouellette just called me on the phone you know, a few weeks ago and said, hey, brother, you have some ideas? Yes. And, uh, and I mean that because you know our voices are, are so important. But um, that, that's one of the things I learned to, I'm so glad you said that because I, I would use my voice to make me feel relaxed. Like instead of the other way, yes. like you would use, like you physically you would relax, your voice loosens up. Well, I would rely on my voice to, oh, my voice is doing well. Oh, it must be going well. And I learned I can't do it that way because especially, you know, I'm in my forties now. I'm not 25 anymore. Exactly. So, you know, it's going to be tired sometimes. You but, know, for me yeah. as a preacher, Something God has taught me over the last two or three years, and I should say is teaching me, you know, we never really learn it. We just keep learning it again and again. But that before I get up to preach, if I can get my own heart in an attitude of worship, hmm. uh, and by the way, I think you have to bring that attitude into a meeting, not wait to the meeting to, to right. get there. But if I can end the meeting, enter in, I mean my spirit, to really an attitude of worship and... Um, and get my heart warm. I don't know another way to say it, right. but get my heart warm towards the Lord that I don't, I'm not even thinking about my voice and I don't even have to think about it. Yes. You get, it, it becomes unconscious because now you're consumed with Him. And for me, that's, that's been instructive. You know, something, and this is just a practical thing. I, I travel now with my own sound equipment. I get away with that because a singer... Sure. Of course, he needs his own stuff, right? But oftentimes, if they don't have monitors on the platform, oh yes, I'll I'll use my own lapel. I have my own lapel specifically. If they don't have monitors, I don't even. I say, brother, I'm sorry, I got to use my lapel because I'll go hoarse if I can't hear myself. Now, see, that's interesting. You should say that because one thing that I did adjust that's very practical, and I've had some people ask me about why I did it. I lost my voice. Hmm. I pushed it. I was over using it and I was in meeting after meeting after meeting and finally it was just, it gave out on me. Hmm. And um, I was in a church and they had a handheld microphone. And I said, I always used lapels. Yeah. And I said, uh, could I use your handheld? Sure. Well, I recognized quickly I had much more control. Yes. <laughs> now some of it was subconscious, some of it was, but I did have more control over the sound. Because sometimes people on a soundboard like to play with the buttons. You know, they feel <laughs> like they're right. earning their keep by adjusting you. Right. And so when I go into a church now, I get acquainted with the sound man. I always do. And I ask for two or three things. Number one, could I have a handheld mic? Oh, sure. Number two, do you have monitors? Yes, but don't worry. You won't hear yourself through them. I said, hold up just a second. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear myself. Right. You do? <laughs> Absolutely. Matter of fact, I told a guy the other day, he said, how, how hot do you want it? I said, till it squeals. <laughs> He said, you're serious. I said, you can't get it too hot for me. Right. I said, now don't mess the sound up in the, in the room. Right. But you can't make it too hot for me. Because if I am, know I'm being heard, I won't strain. If right. I think you can't hear me, I'm going to push it. Right. So I'm like you. I want a handheld microphone and I want a lot of monitor. And that has helped me too. And that is, and for our listeners too, here's two preachers talking. It's not, it's, it's, well, it is about the voice, but it's not about us. It's because we're so passionate about the message, about the truth. If you don't hear the truth, if we can't, if we don't have the tools given to us by the, by the PA, then like Paul said, I'd rather speak five words that you can understand than scream 7,000 of them. Uh, that you can't hear, right? That's kind of paraphrased, but um, point taken, though. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. It's it's man. Well, you know, you're in a lot of meetings. I, I I've had to learn to pace myself. Hmm. Like, okay, here I'm at camp. I'm having the time of my life this week. Right. And you got hundreds of screaming young people, and they're all plugged in and excited. The temptation. Now I'm going to throw myself into it. I'm going to give myself to it. But the temptation is, you could so exhaust every energy, including your voice. Yes. That come the Lord's day, I'm supposed to be in another place preaching. Right. You got nothing. Right. And they expect you to be fresh, reasonably right. so. That's right. Least. Yeah. yeah. So you well, got to pace yourself. Well, 100%. And as a family, we just did, I'll, I'll put this out there just so folks know it. I don't mind you knowing it. Um, we did a, uh, a church. So today, as we're recording, this is Wednesday. Sunday, we, we had done a week of camp and then we went to a church and they changed the evening service to a concert in the park. 
No, that's great. We loved it, had a great time, but that's a totally different venue. Outdoor meetings are tough. Oh, and, and it was all music this time. So, uh, but half my family went hoarse because the sound wasn't right. Um, now, they wouldn't have known this, but we knew it. I knew it. And as we're singing through, and then I got one kid who was sick because he went to camp last week and had a great time, screamed his voice out. So he's up there just miming. You know, so we actually were delayed coming to camp because I told Brother Aaron, I said, listen, we've got to have a day because if I don't have a day, my family is not going to be able to recover to bounce back and very kindly said, we'll adjust. That's That's why we were here on Monday. That's great. Well, I do think rest is the answer. mm -hmm. I mean, it's like every muscle. You've got to have some downtimes. Absolutely. We're having a great time here with Evangelist Scott Pauley. We'll be back in a moment, and uh, now I'll finally get to those hard-hitting questions that I mentioned in the last break. Uh, But what about America? Is America done for? What about Christians? What's the deal, Christians? That's coming up next. Welcome back. We're back with Evangelist Scott Pauley. Again, his website uh, where you can go enjoythejourney.org. A lot of helpful material there. Just a really deep website, library material there. I want to turn now more to uh, some hot topics. And one is America. We live here. We've, we've, we've grown up here. We minister here in large part. Uh, what's going on? What's wrong with America? How about that for an open-ended question? Right? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. You know, I, I would say this, there's a lot of things wrong, mm-hmm. but there's nothing wrong that the gospel couldn't fix. And there's nothing wrong that a spiritual awakening would not correct. So I think sometimes we have the tendency, we, we look at the complexities and we get overwhelmed. Ooh, yeah. And sin does complicate everything, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, it makes absolutely. a mess out of homes and churches and communities and governments. Hmm. Sin. It's at the root of it, all that confusion and chaos. But I, I love that expression that Paul used to the church at Corinth when he talked about the simplicity that is in Christ. I believe that the simplicity of Christ cuts through all the complications of sin. Hmm. So the message of the gospel um, and then the, the message of believers seeking the Lord, uh, I think that, that brings a certain simplicity Um, I just read a little booklet that came out a few months ago on the need of our nation. And what prompted it was everywhere I went, people, good people, sincere believers, wringing their hands, talking about how bad the country is and what's going to become of America. Well, first of all, I think we need to be careful that we don't talk so much about the badness around us that we forget the goodness of God. Hmm. A generation of young people don't just need to hear how bad their generation is. They need to be reminded there is a God. He has not changed. He still answers prayers. He is at work in this world. Uh, His word is still true. And um, so I took four scriptures, two Old Testament passages, two New Testament passages that deal with the needs of nations Hmm. and just made a study of those. And that little booklet, The Need of Our Nation, basically shows how God's eternal truth meets the need in every nation and in every generation. Look, America's not Israel. Hermeneutically, we understand that. We don't conflate the two. Yeah, that's huge. However, the God of Israel is the same God that we as believers are seeking and are praying to. Yes. And the same principles apply. And so, for example, you take some of the Psalms, like Psalm 85. Psalm 85 is a patriot's prayer. Uh, now, I think one danger is some people think because they're patriotic, they're spiritual. Uh, just because you love America doesn't mean you love Jesus. In fact, you, you know, you may be the devil. Right. Um, so, you know, patriotism is no substitute for spirituality. But I do believe sincere Christians ought to love their country enough to say we're going to be intercessors, we're going to be gospel witnesses, and we're going to do what we can, while we can, where we are. So the great need of our nation is awakened churches. Mm, well, that leads right into my next question. What's wrong with Christians? What, what are we doing? We've gone to sleep. We're sleeping through the harvest. Yeah. Mm. We're sleeping through the harvest. I mean, we're, we're fussing about how bad it is and talking to each other like, you know, well, Jesus is coming soon. If we can just hold on a little longer. Oh, I hate that. But we're going to stand before <laughs> God someday and give an account for this generation of lost people. Yes. I mean, can you imagine us meeting Christ at the judgment seat? 
having been the last generation before his return. And we blew it. We blew it. <laughs> we sat around talking to each other yeah. about how bad it all was. And I think, you know, people have asked me recently, I was in an interview about just the subject of revival. That's all we talked about. And, and the person said, what do you think are some hindrances to revival? Well, there are many. I mean, unconfessed sin, yes. Um, pride, yes. Um, disunity among brethren, yes. I mean, you know, let's make the list. But one of them that I think we miss is unbelief. Oh, the lack of faith. And I'm not talking about unbelief among unbelievers. I'm talking about unbelief among, among believers. Yes. I mean, do we really believe God is able? Right. Do we really believe that he can still work? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Lord Jesus, when he was here, his own hometown, he could there do no mighty works, not many mighty works, because of their unbelief. unbelief. Right. And I think that's the great hindrance. Uh, Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. You know, without faith it is impossible to please Him. Hebrews 11. First uh, John, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So I think it's one of the great missing elements right now among God's people. Even people praying for revival are not praying in faith. Yeah, that's, and that's going to be a convicting statement for a lot of people. Well, it's convicting for me. I'm talking to myself. Well, yeah, that's... I mean, think. How many times I've said, Lord, send revival, and didn't actually believe he was going to answer that prayer? Do you think sometimes we have the wrong idea of what revival is going to look like? I do. I do. I think sometimes we have, we've equated revival with big meetings or with... Right. Even with evangelism, with people being saved. I think when revival comes, people will be saved out of that. But revival, look, judgment begins at the house of God. And I think real revival looks like God's people getting thoroughly right with Him and mm, one another. 100%. And so that's, that's the thing I think I'm praying for my own life. Lord, be thorough with me. And I don't want to just have a revival meeting. I want to live a revived life. Yeah. And I, well, I, let me ask you this. Sure. I, I know I'm, I'm jumping all over you here. I, how do you, because this question is going to come out of the blue, how do you balance a, let me set this up a little better. A.W. Tozer writes incredible works, uh, Pursuit of God. Uh, I mean, just, I had to read those in college, so grateful that I did. In studying his life, however, I noticed an, an interesting quotation, and it was by his wife. He died went on to be with Jesus, she remarried. And she said, for the first time in my life, I feel like I've been loved. Now that may be new to you. It was new to me relatively recently. I am not at all trying to throw shade at A.W. Tozer, far be it from me. I'm nowhere in that man's category. However, how do we balance a passion for revival, getting to know God? I've, I've seen people who have gone so wholehearted into quote unquote revival ministry, various stripes, not just in our own circles, sure. but, but then they lose their families because their passion, you know, it drained them of everything out. I want to, <laughs> how do I have a passion for revival and yet at the same time do fun things with my family? Yes. You know, go, go to if Disneyland or Disney World or whatever. Right. Well, you're not spending time with God. You're not, do you, do you, do you get what I'm saying? It's I not do. a very good, I no, I, no, I do understand do the question. I think there's always a tension. And it's a good tension um, in life between the day-to-day -day mundane um, maintenance things that must be done. I mean, look, I got to mow my grass. I've got to function. Yes, I got to go pay, to the grocery store. I got to pay my bills. <laughs> I've got to respond to correspondence. I mean, you know, I don't always feel real spiritual about all of that, right. you know. But yet, that's part of life. And then I have my greatest ministry, my family, which you alluded to a moment ago. Last week, we, we were on a little family vacation uh, before I came here, and um, it was just concentrated on family that week. Um, and we try to guard those times, and I think you have to guard them. On the other hand, I want to keep my own heart on fire for the Lord and passionate in my pursuit of God and prayer and all of that. So... I don't know that there's an easy answer sure. to the question, but I think this. I think sometimes we have made even ministry almost a list of things we do. 
And it is really less about doing all of these things and more about just living the Christian life hmm. and then ministering out of the overflow of that. So I, I said to a group of young people yesterday, I, th- I said, you know, it's sad, but sometimes we have almost chopped our lives up where this part belongs to Jesus, and then over here, this is my part to take care of. Mm, sure. No, it's all the Lord's. Yes. And so if even the mundane can become done as unto the Lord, and if my family time can be seen as holy ground, if I can, the old timers used to talk about practicing the presence of God. Yes. If I can practice the presence of God in every sphere of my life. Look, we all need distractions too. Now let's just be blunt. I mean, like even for me to take a, a run, yeah. uh, there's a distraction in that for me that I need an outlet. Uh, I play golf, not well, but I play a little bit of it. <laughs> and it's a distraction for me. I like to read, not just for study, but for hobby. I love biography. It's a distraction for me. And I said to a young preacher the other day, if you don't develop some healthy distractions, you'll develop some unhealthy ones. Mm, that's good. And I think, yeah. I think we all need things, and I don't think that's unspiritual. Yes. And I don't think people ought to feel guilty about having family time. Look, my, my greatest example of this is my, are my parents. Mom and dad, dad was a businessman that God called to preach in his 30s. He's now pastored the same church for the last 30 years. Wow. Mom and dad were big on family. Dad was busy. He traveled a lot. He was very busy. But Friday night was family night. Mm. I heard him turn down preaching meetings. I already have an appointment, he would say. <laughs> and I knew what the appointment was. Um, oh, it was big to good. them. That's great. And it, it sent me a message that has helped me that that's not unspiritual. That is a part of my God-given responsibility. And you know what, folks, as you're listening, these, were, these are so encouraging. If you're a church member and your pastor... Uh, needs to steal away some time with his family. Uh, don't begrudge him that, right? I mean, that's so that's so important. I, I'm actually personally a big proponent of uh, the uh, uh, like giving pastors two days off a week rather than just one because yes. Sunday is not a day of rest. That's true. You know, I know you're not a pastor and I'm not a pastor, but we both have pastors in our lives that oh, we yes. love. You know, and they're on call 24-7. So don't begrudge your pastor, amen, if he wants to get away for a vacation or, or anything during the week and he wants to protect some time because that's, that's so vital. We have a, a, by the time this airs, it'll already be done, so it won't be a challenge. But uh, Friday after camp's done, we rented a pontoon boat. We're going to go out on Houghton Lake. It's great. Just, you know, I don't know if they allow jumping off the boat or whatever, but we'll probably do some of that. Just that's have great. some time, you know, that's just us. But, uh, well, let's, let's head in the home stretch here. Uh, and these are some practical things. Uh, books to read. What are, what are some ones that you would recommend quickly? Maybe, you know, that Desert Island. If you could, if you, if, no, no, that's a different question because that's like ones you would keep. <laughs> so any books you like. Well, let me tell you two or three that have impacted me. Um, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret hmm. was life-changing for me. The life of Hudson Taylor really impacted me greatly. Perhaps one of my uh, favorite biographies is Borden of Yale. Um, I read it as a 25-year-old man. Borden died when he was 25. There were nuggets in that book that really captured my attention and really deeply uh, spoke to me. Probably the one book that I would say uh, truly changed the, the direction of my life, my spiritual, my devotional life, was a book by V. Raymond Edmond called They Found the Secret. Um, Edmund was one of the last really strong presidents at Wheaton College. He was a missionary statesman. He died in the chapel uh, while he was speaking. He was talking about seeing Jesus and fell over, was gone. What but, a way to go. Yeah, that's what I say. Not for the audience, but for the <laughs> right. preacher, yeah, for that's sure. Right. Yeah. But he, he wrote this book called They Found the Secret. And it's the life story of 15, uh, 15 or 20 great Christians in history who all found, they were all different backgrounds, men and women. They all described it differently, but they all discovered the same secret of the indwelling Christ, the person of the Holy Spirit in you. And it liberated them. It changed their life. I read it at a time in my own life and ministry where I was terribly frustrated and tired. And God used it to, to really open some things in Scripture to me. Now, forgive my ignorance here, but is, this, is, that, more, is that along the lines of like Keswick theology? Or what it, are, yes, some people would refer to it that way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that everyone in that book would be necessarily considered Keswick. And I think that's the beauty of it because yeah. I know people who would criticize Keswick. And uh, I'm not one of them, teaching. by the way. I, right, I'm not I, either. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the people we quote were, were of Keswick persuasion. Yes. But I think the beauty of the book was that all these different people from different backgrounds who all even described it differently all found something. Mm. And the something they found was actually someone 
it was the liberating truth that Christ lives inside of you. <laughs> it's not you, it's Christ in you. Yes. Galatians 2.20, not I, but Christ. That was liberating for me. So that's three biographies that deeply affected me. Um, I love the writings of F.B. Meyer, anything that Meyer wrote. Uh, his book, The Secret of Guidance, um, was the most helpful thing I read outside the Bible when God led me to evangelism. Hmm. Uh, it really confirmed some things and helped me discern the voice of God in that process. Um, and I could go on and on. I love to read. I love books. Um, we just did, I think it's uh, 20 or 25 articles, and they're on our blog. They're on enjoyingthejourney.org. If you just uh, search for books or library, okay. um, and those 20 or 25 articles, each one of them is five recommended books on a different subject. Oh, so uh, it's, it's like, I think, 125, my, my top 125 <laughs> books is what it that. is. You can tell when someone's a reader. <laughs> well, my top 125 <laughs> books. You know be. how that started, though? <laughs> Everywhere I went, people were saying, hey, do you know a good book on the church? Hey, do you oh, know a sure. good book on the Holy Spirit? Hey, yeah. do you know a good book on marriage? And so finally I thought, you know, I'm just going to sit down in my library and say, right. these are the best five I've read on this subject. These are the five. It's not exhaustive. Do you have a favorite commentary on Romans? Who, boy, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't know that I have a favorite. Okay, okay. Um, you know, I like some commentators better on certain areas than others. Yeah. For example, I w my favorite book of the Bible is Philippians. Uh, I, oh. would not, I would not teach or preach through Philippians or study through Philippians without Guy King's book, Joy Way. Hmm. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel that way about certain books of the Bible. You know, some guys are just better than others. Now, if I had to only pick one commentary, if I could only have one commentary set, uh, it would be Matthew Henry. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Be because, that's devotional nature, but Matthew Henry makes me think of things that others do not. Kind of out of the box for us today. A, a little bit. Um, but I'll give you two thoughts on Matthew Henry. George Whitfield carried Matthew Henry in his saddlebags and read it on his knees. I did not know that. Charles Spurgeon said, every minister should read through Matthew Henry at least once in his lifetime. That's two pretty good recommendations. Yeah, that's, that's very good. So Matthew Henry's been helpful to me. If I could only check one commentator on a passage, he, he's my go-to. I know a lot of guys that are coming out. And by the way, we are now into overtime. Thank you. Welcome to overtime on the podcast. I love overtime segment. All right, so uh, you can turn it off if you want, but you're going to miss some great stuff because this here it comes. All right, a lot of guys are, you know, Matthew Henry, oh, that's, you know, poo-poo or whatever. Right. I like hearing this because I, I gained a lot from Matthew Henry. Absolutely. And I myself, uh, as I'm thinking of this, because my last question for you is going to be how do you prepare messages. So, but I myself have kind of let Matthew Henry just kind of sit on that. I know right where it is on my shelf. It's on that bottom shelf. I haven't pulled it out very much yes. recently. So that's an encouragement. Well, he's not the deepest a yeah, commentator that you're going to have, but he has a pretty good overall um, grasp of Scripture. Right. See, Matthew Henry was a man of the book. I mean, his father um, made his children memorize Psalm 119. And if I remember the story correctly, each morning they would quote a different verse of Psalm 119 growing up. Hmm. Uh, I mean, so he got this love for Scripture in him. Yeah. And that comes out. And Absolutely. look, there's no commentator I'm going to line up with personally right. everything, but Absolutely. he's helpful. Well, that brings me to the last question. And as a fellow preacher, um, and I wrestle with, I guess the best way to put it is the only temptation I have had, uh, the strongest temptation I have had to, to envy pastors is they get to preach series. And as evangelists, we don't really get to do that. At least I'm, I'm, I'm assuming on you, maybe you do, but I mean, we're always in a new place, right? So how do you choose, how are you choosing your preaching and how do you develop new messages or think, you know what, this message, I'm going to re-preach it because this is what they need, etc. How do you, how do you do that? Well, there's two or three questions there. The first is how do I prepare a message? And I would say this, most all of my preaching, all of my messages grow out of my devotional time. So um, rarely am I ever just thinking I'm going to, you know, create a sermon. Really, it's growing out of the overflow of my own time in Scripture uh, I've heard people say, you know, your devotional time and Bible study should never, never uh, be the same. Yeah, that's and I understand the premise behind it, but I don't right. fully agree with it because I feel like if I'm living in the book and it's feeding my soul, then I'm just taking that fresh bread and passing it on to somebody else. So um, it grows out of devotional time. I believe the missing link in most sermon preparation and most Bible study, frankly, is meditation. 
I'm convinced time. Bible meditation, and, and when I say Bible meditation, it's not even what most people think. What most people think um, of Bible meditation is you're sitting around, you know, like, hum, you know, you're, you're meditating. Right. Uh, in Scripture, meditation is linked to the mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, hmm. but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. See, whatever you talk about, you're meditating on. Like you and I are thinking pretty deeply on some subject right now because we're conversing yes. on it. Right. So I feel like talking through a passage of Scripture, praying through a passage of Scripture, discussing it with someone else, letting it stew opens it to me. So meditation, and, I, and you know, we talked about commentaries a minute ago. I, I recommend to people don't run there first. Yes. Meditate in Scripture first. Let God speak to you. Identify the great truth in the passage. Glean your own freshness. Then you can fill in the blanks and check yourself with the commentators. And you pick up nuggets there, but I think Bible meditation is the key on sermon preparation and on all Bible study. Now, on the matter of sermons, I actually do lots of series preaching. Oh, now, now I'm curious. Well, let me tell you the story behind it. Even more. <laughs> I, I always thought the same thing. I thought, you know, it's a shame, but I'm never going to get to do much serious preaching because I'm in a different place every week. I was in a meeting in Alabama. And if I remember correctly, I was in Revelation. I don't remember what chapter I was in. I may have been in, the, in one of the chapters where the churches are, the opening chapters. And I started there in that meeting, and God wouldn't let me leave the chapter. So I just kept going back to it in every meeting, and I never left that chapter through the whole meeting. It was one of the most God-blessed weeks for my own soul and one of the God-blessed meetings we had had to that point. Hmm. And... I thought to myself, I wonder if there's something to this thing of saturation, of just like pitching a tent and saying, I'm going to live here for a little while. Sure, yeah. So I went to another church, and instead of saying, Lord, what sermons am I supposed to preach? I started praying this, Lord, what portion of Scripture do you want me to be in? Hmm. So week by week, God started directing my attention to a certain portions of Scripture. And so what I would do is I would start just living in that passage, making notes, to the point that I would say eight out of ten meetings, I am not re-preaching something that I preached somewhere else. Now, I do repeat things, sure, and I'm happy to repeat things. I'm repeating things this week in camp. <laughs> Look, if it's truth and worth giving once, it's worth giving oh, again. Right. But my point is God led me to something. I think it was for my own soul, not just for the people, because there's such a tendency to get stale and to depend on your sermons. Right. Like, I and mean, we've all done it. We thought, now, this sermon was really blessed somewhere, so I'm going to use it here. Right. And then it, it duds, and you think, well, something was missing. <laughs> right. what was I didn't missing tell that illustration it? right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't fresh. Right. And it may have been a wonderful message, but it may not have been right for that meeting. What I've discovered, though, when I just give myself to a passage of Scripture in a meeting, a couple things happen. Number one, I get excited about it. It's fresh to me. Um, number two, the people get excited about it. I have literally found the people get thrilled. I, I challenge them to read through the passage while we're in the meeting. So you got families reading the Bible together. Hmm. I had a little grandma in Arizona come out, uh, and she said to me, I was preaching through Philemon in a revival meeting, and she came out and she said, I'm loving this one page of the Bible. She said, I've been reading it every day, and she said, God's showing me things. I said, wonderful. She said, but you did miss something tonight. And I said, really? What was that? And she opened her Bible and she pointed to a certain phrase. And I, I laughed and I said, that's my text for tomorrow night. She high-fived me in the lobby of the church. I told my wife, it was that's the first great. time my grandma was ever high-fived yeah, me in church, great. especially over the message. Amen. But I was excited that she was excited yeah. about the Scripture. And, and, and I've come to a deeper conviction because of this on the sufficiency of Scripture, mm. not of my sermons. Let them forget my sermons. Let them forget the outlines. Let them forget the illustrations. But if they fall in love with a chapter of the Bible, a Bible character, a book of the Bible, that's going to continue on. Absolutely. And so there's a... Now, I'm, I must tell you, there's a battle in that because when you go into a place, and you know what I mean as a preacher, you want to preach your best sermons, right. you right. want to whatever, but there's also a death in that because it's, well, hold up just a second. That's not what people need. What people need is the Word of God. Do right. I really believe that or do I not? And what I've found is if I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit and God leads me to a portion of Scripture... Almost without exception in that meeting, the pastor or people within the church will come to me and say, I don't know how you knew what was going on here. Hmm. But boy, God is really using this portion of the Bible to minister to, to some deep needs here. Well, that's, that's been faith increasing for me. 
because it's reminding me it's not about me, it's just about the Word. So I like series preaching, uh, even, even as an evangelist. Like this Sunday, I'm going to preach three times in a church. It's not a revival meeting, it's just one Lord's Day. But I intend, God helping me, I'm going to preach all day from the book of Daniel. I believe that's where God wants me to preach from. Going to live there. That's going to live there. And so I'm praying, you know, I'm open, whatever God wants, but I'm praying God will guide me to somewhere that I can emphasize for that day. Well, it feels like we just got started, but we've been here at almost an hour, and it's just fantastic. And uh, I was told recently that people actually are enjoying uh, more long-form podcasts just as much as the short form. So I, I'm going to try this for a while, and it's been fantastic. Well, I'm Thank honored. Thank you so much. For, Thank you for talking with me today. Oh, this thanks for, for joining us. And uh, again, one more time, I can't mention enough, uh, enjoyingthejourney.org you can visit there. And uh, I am also going to do a shameless plug for a book I wrote back in 2012 called Nobody Wants Revival. Some of the things we talked about in here are right down the line of that. And I know it's a little shameless self-promotion there, but if that'll be a blessing to you, you can visit beneverson.com and pick that up there. But uh, brother, thank you so much. And uh, it's good to meet you in person. It was great to get acquainted Uh, with you. This is great. And we'll be praying the Lord will continue to bless camp here and uh, you as you head on down the road. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more at Ben's website, www.beneverson.com. We'll see you next time.